Welcome to Unity of Tucson. In my journey of deepening spiritually, part of that exploration has been to live sometimes within, within this question. Who would I be if I didn't have anyone else to compare myself to? And I think this is a good question for us all to ask. Who would you be if you didn't have anyone else to compare yourself to? It's a pretty deep question, although it may not seem so deep on the surface. It's a deep question because it calls into our conscious awareness the notion that we are actually consistently comparing ourselves to other people. And who would we be if we let go of all those comparisons? Our tendency, whether we admit it or not, is to let others determine. And it's not purposeful. It's not like others are out there going, you need to be this. But we let others determine who we should be because we look at other people and we say, oh, I like that. I don't like that. I like that. I don't like that. Oh, I really like that. And we try to emulate. But what if we got rid of all of those considerations? What would be left? What would be left? Well, I have an idea of what would be left. And it's an idea that I... I don't know what that was. Formulated. <laughs> Actually, it's going back to my voice and movement days in college. Ooh, be free, let the body be free. Um, to, to let go of what I think I should be in comparison to other people, what am I left with when I shed all of that? Who am I? I mean, isn't that really, in some ways, the most fundamental question that brings us to a spiritual practice when we ask, who am I? What is my purpose here? Well, we have a teaching in unity in the entire New Thought movement that fundamentally... We are God, because God being the infinite power and principle of creation, it is not some, and I know I say this every single week, but I'm going to keep saying it every single week, because we always have new people here. <laughs> and I want to make sure that I'm very clear. God is not, we don't teach that God is a being out there. God is the beingness, the energy, the creative source of all that is. And we cannot be separate from the infinite, which is why I hold firm in my resolve to state firmly and out loud, I know who I am. I know who you are. We are God. There can be nothing separate from God because if there were, then it would not be infinite. It would be finite. And we would be finite. And oftentimes I think we consider ourselves to be finite, but we're not. Fundamentally at the core, we are infinite. And we spend a lot of mental energy considering all the effects of life, all that stuff out there, all the circumstances and the experiences. 
We spend so much mental energy concerning ourselves with those things and not concerning ourselves with what I think we should be concerning ourselves with, which is the cause of all those things. To draw ourselves back and go to the root of the root, as Rumi says, to find the core of creation that is at the deepest level of each and every one of us. While we express as form, the truth of our being is we are pure energy, which is why I love to say we are light. We are luminous celestial beings, each and every one of us a star, and we are made of star stuff, and we should shine our light. I think and hold very firmly in my heart that our time here on this, in this experiential plane is and should be devoted to considering the potential truth that can free humanity from the consistency of sameness, thinking that we are the same. We're not. We're all unique individualizations of wholeness. And I think that the more we explore that possibility, we more, the more we explore that potentiality that it lives within each and every one of us, frankly, the better our lives get. That's what I have found, that my life has just gotten better and better and better by allowing myself the luxury of exploration. When I was in high school, I took a class in high school my sophomore year. That class was called Social Issues. And I think about that class now because I think that would be a class that would be frowned upon um, in current curriculum. But this class in Social Issues, we explored all kinds of things that were, you know, how do we view the world? How do we understand? How do we participate in the world? was a, a lot of the core of what this class was looking at. And I remember we talked a lot about the transcendentalist movement. And if you're not aware, New Thought was born partially out of the transcendentalist movement. One of the most magnificent influences on the New Thought movement was Ralph Waldo Emerson. I remember, I remember a quote, you know, because you hear Emerson quoted all the time, and there was this one quote that stuck with me when I was in this class, and it was this, consistency is the hobgoblin of small minds. <laughs> consistency is the hobgoblin of small minds. And I thought, well, I don't want to be consistent. I don't want to have a small mind. <laughs> That's not for me. Years later, I found out that they left a very important word out when they offered that quote, because the quote actually is, a foolish consistency is the hobgoblin of small minds. That's a pretty important uh, adjective to use. <laughs> a foolish consistency is the hobgoblin of small minds. A foolish consistency may be that desire to emulate, that desire for sameness resides in the hearts of many. Sameness is always rooted 
in comparison, I think. Because how can we consider ourselves the same or different unless we are living in that state of comparison? Yet the, the comparison with others limits the fullness of our own expression and potential. And so that's how I get it now. I get it now. I'm like, oh, a foolish consistency. It doesn't mean that I shouldn't have some consistency in my life because, frankly, consistency is how I manage life. Anyone else? We do find ways of consistency and being in consistency in our lives so that we can manage it. Because trust me, it would be utter chaos if there weren't some level of consistency in the expression of our lives. But the question to ask is, am I choosing to, to adopt a consistency to please others or to conform to other people's opinions? Or am I knowing the truth of who I am, which is God? How do I choose to show up in the world? So a foolish consistency, which is stepping into that place where we compare ourselves with others, is one thing I think that can lead to destructive habits in life. We all experience habitual thinking, every single one of us. Every single one of us. The mind thrives on patterns. Part of the work we do in this spiritual teaching is to work to replace those foolish patterns, which are oftentimes those things, those, those, those habits and thought that make us feel less than. Anyone ever feel less than? Wow, I guess my work is done here. <laughs> Only one person feels less than. Trust me, I feel less than sometimes. But only, if I, only when I'm comparing myself to others. So part of the work we do is to replace those foolish patterns, those which keep us feeling less than, with constructive patterns of thought and belief that are rooted in wisdom. And when we do that, we create new consistencies in life. Now, one of the things that we can do as an exercise I'm not asking you to do this right now, I'm just saying this is an exercise that you can take away with you, is to ask yourself the question, how do I know what is a foolish consistency in my life? And I think that the question can be reframed in this way. What is not working for me in my life? Because oftentimes those things that are not working for us in our life are things that we sometimes turn a blind eye to that are those foolish habits those foolish consistencies. And as we awaken to them, we are put in a position of power to address them, to do something about them. So it may be, I don't know, it, it may be, what's not working for me in my life? Is it a relationship? Or a lack of relationship? Is it my finances? Or my perceived lack of finances? Is it my job? It's not for me, just to be very clear. <laughs> There are, there are myriad things that we can identify and define as going wrong in our lives. And you know what? We love to tell everybody what's going wrong in our lives, don't we? We love to tell people what's going wrong in our lives. Why? Because we get feedback that feels good. And so we tend to go into that habit. That's a foolish consistency. The desire for sympathy but what if the only response anyone ever gave you 
to any of those things that you tried to express as not working for you, I only know the truth of who you are. If this is how you came to me and asked this, and I said to you, I only know the truth of who you are. You are the most magnificent expression of an infinite divine power there ever has been or ever will be because there can be nothing separate from it. Would you be willing to accept that? Or would you be looking for me to, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Let's really just get into the depths of grief or upset about this together. Which do you think is going to be more powerful? I think the first one, if you're willing to accept it. That's the thing. What are you willing to accept? So there are myriad things that can go wrong. I mean, things go wrong for me. Did you know that? They do go wrong for me. At least what I, what I define as wrong for me, because it's all in definition. So there are myriad things that we can identify as going wrong in, your, in our lives. But I hold to this. If I see what I perceive as going wrong, as being based in a foolish consistency, a destructive habit of thinking, then I am in that power position to change it. If I see something that is falling apart all around me, it is not for me to say, it's not falling apart. No, that's not what spiritual practice is all about. It's about saying, I see that it is falling apart all around me, but that does not have power. I know the truth of who I am, and so I will recreate my life. I will dream that impossible dream, and I will step into what it is that is for me. How about you? This month, we are talking, we've we've adopted as our theme for this month, the power of willingness. That's how I'm going to keep saying it. It's willingness, not the power of will. As I talked about last week, it's not about coercing anything. It is about being in that place, that space of willingness to let the inherent love, light, and life that is our birthright flow through into expression. I had to have a willingness to let go this morning. I had a really challenging morning. I had a challenging morning. And it was, it, it, this, this is how it was challenging. I, now, for those of you who don't know, I typically arrive here at Unity at 5 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday. And people often ask me, when do you write your message? I write, the, I write my message on Sunday morning, which can be terrifying on a morning like it was today where I sat down at my computer and my, my whole thought was, I got nothing. <laughs> I got nothing. I have a talk title. I know what my talk title was but I got nothing. What, what, what wants to be expressed? I'm like, I oh, there's nothing new. There's nothing of value that I, that I have to say today. Here's what happens. If I accept that, the mind is creative. So what am I creating? A continued construct of not having anything to say. Thoughts, beliefs, feelings, my thought, my belief, and my feeling around that very notion of I got nothing today, that commingled into a life experience. And I sat there and I stared at that computer screen and stared at that computer screen. I stared at that computer screen. I thought, all right, I got to put up or shut up. I got to prove this principle today because if I'm not proving this principle, then what the heck am I doing up here as a minister if I'm not practicing what I preach? And so I stepped back and I thought, all right, if I know that mind is creative, 
and my thoughts, beliefs, and feelings are all commingling to express as my life experience, what do I need to address this morning in that space of thought and belief and feeling? And here's what it was. For whatever reason, I woke up feeling inadequate this morning. Anyone else ever wake up feeling inadequate to this thing called life? It happens occasionally. Yeah, right? <laughs> I see some hands going up. Yeah. Here's the thing. I don't want any of us to ever really buy into that feeling of inadequacy. It is fundamentally not true, even if our mind in our foolish consistency is making us think that it is, because it's probably tied to some long-held belief that we may have been told as a child, you're not good enough for whatever reason. And we've carried that into the next expression and the next expression and the next expression of our lives until we finally have to say, enough, I am done. So I sat there at my computer this morning. I thought, I am not inadequate. I am the full expression of the divine power that says, yes, and I have something to say today. So that is utilizing the practice of affirmation to open me up and to say, I don't need to think about how narrow my message may be today. What I need to do is say, I am open to the infinite possibility of what my message can be today and trust in the flow. And you know what? The minute I made that decision, boom, it all started coming through. And you can do this too. If you ever feel stuck, remind yourself, there is no need to feel stuck ever in anything except the degree to which we accept that we must be stuck in something. It's all up to us. It is no one else's responsibility. This is the hard thing. It is no one else's responsibility to address that feeling. I choose to be rooted in personal responsibility. In that moment, I had to say, I'm having an experience, and I have an ability to respond to what is happening for me to step into something that I would like to create. So I choose to be rooted in personal responsibility, which is the single most powerful concept for changing our experience. And many people come to New Thought churches and spiritual centers because they want to change the experience of their life in some day. They see all of these people walking out, you know, yay, we got to sing and dance on Sunday, and it was so much fun, and I'm feeling good, and I live a life of joy. And other people are out there going, wow, they are so happy. What's wrong with them? <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice to be that happy all the time? Maybe I should go check this place out. Every experience we have has been created fundamentally by us. Every experience we have in life is fundamentally created by us. And so, the place of power to understand that we are all in is we get to recreate every experience. Now, we cannot change the past, but we can recreate our experience right here, moving forward and moving forward and moving forward. And here's the issue. Many of us don't want to hear that. Because, frankly, it's easier to, light, to let life happen to us, isn't it? Just go along, oh yeah, Just allow life to happen to me. We are directors of our lives, and it is up to us to direct our lives. Who I am destined to be is who I decide and direct myself to be. 
How about you? Again, and the rest of you? <laughs> Each and every one of us, we are always, always, always at choice. It doesn't always feel like we're always at choice, but we are always at choice to let the full expression of our being, to let the expression of me, of you, to be rooted in the flow of infinite source or to be limited by a narrow perception of only the sensory, circumstantial, experiential world. Which do you think is going to move you in the direction of having a more extraordinary experience of life? Aligning yourself with that which is out there or knowing the truth of that which is right here? Right here. This is the thing. This is the thing that's going to motivate us into action in our lives. I personally think that if we all truly, truly got the truth of who we are, and we celebrated that in every interaction we have without ever being knocked off our course, and we inspired other people to do that, we would eliminate competition in this world. We would find that the nature of our being is cooperation, and that this world will be better, can be better, if we are experiencing cooperation and living in a cooperative state of mind. That takes a lot of work. I'm still working on that, so I'll let you off the hook if you're not there yet. <laughs> now, the foolish, those who are foolish in a foolish consistency of mind, the foolish living only in a sense perception that has no measure for the infinite reality and builds upon false or erroneous concepts lives a limited life. Here I am to tell you that is not who you need to be. Choose wisdom today. Let go of being lulled into that false concept that there is something else at work because there is one thing at work and that is the nature of creation that is you. Why do we come to believe in a truth of limitation? I think part of it is because we do experience what I will uh, say is, uh, I'm going to use a word that you may or may not be familiar with. We experience multiplicity. We experience differentness. We experience differentness. I am not the same as Rebecca or Darwin or Mirtha. I am not the same as you, except fundamentally the core of my being is the same because we're all God. But if I look at the world and I say, and I see only the ways in which we are different, then I may habitualize a thought of difference. When we experience multiplicity and understand that that multiplicity, multiplicity arises out of unity, then we get to experience life individualized and we get to make creative choices rooted in knowing who we are. Sometimes we perceive those choices as being in reaction, but I think that we are better suited to moving forward in proaction, that that is a choice we can make. We don't always have to be reactive to everything. Let us live in proaction. But whether or not it is reaction or proaction, here's the thing. All our choices, all our choices are creative. They are creating something in our life. All our choices are creative. They create brilliant and frustrating at the same time, isn't it? Wait a minute, Rev. That's how I talk to myself sometimes. 
That's, that's how I talk to myself when I need a good swift kick. Wait a minute, Rev. You're telling me that when I do things like sit at home and think about cleaning my floors and I don't take action, that that's a creative choice? Yeah, it is. When I think about eating well and find myself queued up at Five Guys, that that's a creative choice? Yeah. When I think about how much I hate my job, I don't know why this came up twice. <laughs> because this, this is hypothetical. <laughs> the answer is always yes. The answer is always yes. Every thought, every belief, every feeling that is rooted in that shows up in action in our lives. So the thoughts that you accept become the choices you make, and every single one shows up as an effect in your life. It's daunting, isn't it? Every single thought, every single belief, every single feeling, it is all cause. Your experience is the effect. This is mind action in expression. Who you are destined to be, if you want to be something other than who you are right now, who you are destined to be is rooted in the choices you make moment by moment by moment. I frequently say this stuff is work. Until when, William? It's Until it's not. And it makes this whole spiritual philosophy seem really daunting sometimes, doesn't it? Yeah, and that's okay. You mean I have to work at this? I just want to go to I just want to go on Sunday and sing and dance and have a good time. Sometimes that's okay too. Thank you, Mary. I think I may have complicated this unnecessarily by implying that the work is hard. I don't think I've ever said it's hard. I've just said it's work. How you approach the work, the feeling of joy that you may approach this spiritual work with is going to help create the joyful outflow that you seek. So it doesn't have to be hard work. Just accept the fact that there's going to probably be some work. And if we allow that lightness and joy to be the work, then we're going to experience more lightness and joy. And I, as Charles Fillmore said, I reserve the right to change my mind. Because maybe I'm ready to even let go of that idea that I have to work at it. And accept, and accept this. Accept that it is working for me all the time. And I don't need to work so darn hard at it. It's the paradox. It's work and it's not work at the same time. Mind action. Which is how I understand the the experience of thought, belief, and feeling. Mind action is always working in perfect correspondence to create our experiences. So the work that we are to do is the work of opening up our awareness, to waking up to what is actually happening in our lives, to freeing our minds from the thought of limitation or lack. That's the work. To say, I choose not to accept this, and it is not to turn a blind eye to the things that are happening in my life, but to know that I have the power to change the things that are happening in my life. So in awareness, we are empowered, and these, this empowerment opens us up to infinite potential and possibility. So who you are destined to be is a decision that is founded in infinite possibility. Peace and blessings to you. You are magnificent.
So in light of that, I've decided to try to keep the homework easy this week. That was easy. You know what? Everyone should go to Staples and get that button. <laughs> this is not an advertisement for Staples. I just want to be very clear. But I love that button. We used to ha- I used to have it in my office when I was an administrator at my church uh, when I was training. And all the time I would go, boom, that was easy. Loved it. So here's the homework this week. If you're new to our community, I give homework every week, something practical that you get to walk away with and work on. I would like you to keep these questions at the forefront of your thinking this week. The questions are these. Who am I accepting myself as right now? That's question one. Question two is, is this who I am destined to be? Who am I accepting myself as right now? Is this who I am destined to be? And allow the awareness of what comes up for you, what is revealed to you, guide you into action in whichever way you choose to be in action. Hi, this is Reverend Jonathan Zenz, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of my Sunday message. Your financial support will ensure that we can continue to offer this as an option for inspiration. You can make your tax-deductible contribution in any amount on our website, unitytucson.com. Once again, thank you for listening. You are magnificent. Namaste.